0: And then the scripture says, he wept. When you ride around West Akron, what do you see? When you read in the No Journal of what takes place in West Akron, what do you think? Oftentimes, We're always seeing the worst of things. And we miss the good things that are taking place right under our nose. And we need to recognize there's a lot of good things taking place in West Akron. There's more things taking place than just somebody getting shot on Copley Road. There's a lot of good things that are taking place. And if they weren't, you wouldn't see people moving back in. You wouldn't see certain things happening. And you wouldn't see new homes being built. But there are some good things taking place. And again, oftentimes, they're overlooked. They're overlooked. And today, we want to bring up one of those areas in which a good thing is taking place. Can I have the screen on? And oftentimes we miss it because we forget that we have a hand in this. Whatever is taking place in West Akron, we have a hand in it. It may not be a big hand. It may not even be directly involved in it. But it's in your community. And you do have a hand in it then. And that's one of the things that you and I have to be careful and understand. That yes, we do have a hand in this. And we're involved in this. And we want to be involved in it. Because it takes many hands being involved in a community, in a society, in a family To grow it. To grow it. We have to all be a part of it. And have our hands involved. Also we need to recognize many hands are nothing but just a team. We're planning. That's all. We're planning. And when we plant, we are giving life. We're giving life to others. But it takes many hands to nurture a plant sometime. And what happens is that we want you to be involved in planting. In helping things to grow. And Ken has been involved in something. With a football team called the Titans. ministering to little kids and helping them to grow. And many others have been involved in it. Because it takes more than just one set of hands to plant something and to get involved. Sometimes I have to help at home plenty. I can go get the soil. Okay. I can go get the water hose. But Elaine is the one who puts it in there and puts the dirt around it and don't make it too tight to this, to that. My thing, just throw it in the ground, put some dirt on it, let it go. You know? But but she takes a little fertilizer and she puts a little fertilizer around it, a little water on it right at the bottom, then cover it, put some more water and more well oh yeah, you know. That's her thing and but the thing is this here. It takes both of us to plant. And in the community. All of us are planners. We're planning something. We're planning behavior. We're planning attitudes. We're planning. We're teaching. We all are. And oftentimes we miss that. That we're all planning. We're all teaching. On the football team, there's always these things that take place. somebody got to carry the ball. And somehow... Football is similar to church life. Everybody want to be the preacher. But somebody got to carry the ball. And some of us have the ability to carry the ball better than others. And it's a divine talent that God has given. You know. And... And they're able to take that ball and they're able to do some moves and some runs that others can't do. But that that individual who also winds up blocking is doing something usually much better than the person who carries the ball. He has the upper body strength. He has the strength in the legs to block. He doesn't have the speed. But he's able to block. But guess what? The guy with the ball will never score without that other person doing what? Understand, in the Christian life, we block for each other. We're all not carrying the ball at one time, but we block for each other. For that, we can score. That we can score. And that's important. Because, see, it's not just about running the ball, it's about the guys that sometimes don't get the praise, that got to block, yeah. got to open up the hole for the runner can run. Hey, that he can be a part. Amen. And, and guess what? Everybody can't quarterback, God's given them certain abilities, certain talents. That they can see a field. They can throw the ball. I'm not going to throw a ball too far. Never had an arm to throw a ball. But I can catch a ball. God gives us different talents. That we might make a team. And with the different talents, you make a team. But the coach has to be wise enough to know where to take the talent. And put it. And it's strange. As I was thinking through this sermon. A coach and a pastor does the same thing. Prepare people for a game. You come in here to get prepared for the game of life. And the coach, guess what he's doing with them little guys? Preparing them to play that game that week, which is part of their life for that week. But not only for that moment, but for life itself is ongoing. So in one sense, we're both coaching, just on different fields. But we're both coaching. And the team works, and this is part of what takes place when you're on a team. The team works on the field, and guess what? Off the field. Because they're involved in the game of life. But yet what you learn on the field, you take it where? Into everyday life. That's right. Amen. We work with one another to build also a stronger community. And, and God gives those individuals who, who work with our young people that special gift of patience and understanding. And the whole process, those who they're teaching right now, you never know. They may grow up to be a councilwoman. They may grow up to minister to us in a different way. But yet, you've had a very important part of raising them and in putting into their lives. And that is something. Let's look at a couple words. And I think these words sometimes, we get them all confused. And get them mixed up. Team. What's a team? A group of people working together. And one thing the coach got to do is get the team to what? Move together. Whatever that assignment is for that team player, that they're doing it. And it's not about self glory it's about the team what functioning together and the whole process everything else really boils down to team councilwoman Somerville works with a team at city council have to function with a team can't do it by herself If it's going to benefit West Akron, she has to work with a team. Coaches work with a team. Only thing bad about working with a team is the same thing that happens in the church. You got all them attitudes coming at you. (laughs) No. But yet, that's what God's given to you. That's how you're ministering. But remember now, a team is nothing but a group of people working together to accomplish something. Now, community is people living in a peculiar district working together for a common good. No different really than a team. A team is working together to score for the common good of the team. To win that game. A community is a team working together for the good of the community. To make it stronger. To make it better. Church. A group of people who worship together for the good of one another. We come to edify one another. Build up one another. Now tell me really, what's the difference between the team, the community, the church? We're all doing it, aren't we? And I think sometimes we need to see that. We're not opposing each other. (laughs) We're learning to work together with each other. Now, for one, to be able to participate in any of these things, We need to understand it's a divine gift of God. It's a divine gift of God. Whether you're tall, short, a little bit on the heavy side, God made you that way for that you can function in the role that He has for you. And you are needed and you are necessary. You're needed and you're necessary. And it's a divine gift from God. And oftentimes in church life, yes, there is a difference between being saved and unsaved, but it's not that much difference based on this fact. God allows it to rain on the just and the unjust. He allows his son to shine on the just and the unjust. We are all here only by the mercy and grace of God. We're all here. Now, in Acts seventeen twenty eight he simply says, For in him we live and what? And move and have our what? And that's all of us. We live and move and have our being only by the mercy of God. Whether saved or unsaved. We're only breathing on the mercy of God. On the grace of God. On the favor of God. Not because so much of who I am or who we are. But by the mercy of God. He says we live. And we move. And we have our being in him. Now, what comes out of a person's life is always left to the individual to choose. They have to choose it and they have to cultivate it. Tori, when was the last time you were practicing on your violin? When was the last time you played it? Last week. Last week. Are you find yourself playing it a little more, a little less? Sometime. When we practice something, we can have the talent. But if we don't practice it, cultivate it's weak. But the more we practice it, the more we put into it, guess what? The better we become. But yet that gift has been given by God. Now what you do with it, how you cultivate it, is up to you. It's up to you. Therefore, in Matthew twelve twenty five he said, The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. The good man brings good things out of what is stored up in him. But he says, the evil man likewise. Yeah. So you and I, we always have to be making that decision Am I going to do good or am I going to do what? Evil. That's whose choice. Your choice. Your choice. It's your choice to be out there in the rain with kids. It's, it's the kid's choice to be out there in the rain and practice. It's, it's your choice to be out there when it's cold and not comfortable. It's the kid's choice to be out there when it's cold and not comfortable and muddy and so forth. It's the kid's choice, but they made a choice. They made a choice. A choice to do something that's good and profitable. Something that will have value for them and meaning for them. And the coaches are out there too because why? It's meaningful for them. It's good for them to participate and be a part of it. But remember where it comes from. From within. From within. And you have to choose. If you're going to cultivate the goodness in you. And allow it to be seen or if you're going to cultivate that which is evil and bad and allow it to be seen. Your choice. You choose. And sometimes I admit it's difficult in the choosing. Ministry is another word sometimes we need to look at. Because ministry has been hijacked by the church. Oh yeah, I mean the church is ministry, is ministry. Ministry takes place in many different forms. Many different ways. And ministry is enriching when it's done out in the community. And we need to understand, it's a Greek word meaning to serve. That's all. Ministry is to serve. What capacity you serve in, what you're doing in the community to serve, you're touching the lives of others. You're helping others. You're serving others. You're waiting on others. You're doing something that Paul says that he did. That he poured his life out into the lives of others. And oftentimes, when you catch people coaching, they're pouring their life. When you catch people tutoring, they're Pouring their life. When you catch teachers in the school, they're pouring their life. When you catch the police officer, he's pouring his life. You're constantly watching other people pour their life into the life of others. Ministry is not defined by church. And oftentimes, That is very much so confused. Because we think of ministry something just within the church. No. America has done that. When you go outside of America, it's the minister of transportation. It's the minister of war. It's the minister of this. It's the minister of that. In the United States, it's the director of, or the vice president of, or that. But... In most parts of the world, it's minister. Why? Because the emphasis is on this. Serve. That you're serving a public. You're serving people. You're meeting the needs of people. Ministry has become a clerical church word that most people never apply to themselves. Because you see a coach say, I'm the minister of coaching. It seems too grand for ordinary people. And ministry is not a professional word. It is one of humility. It applies to people who minister to a community, to a society, to a team, to a church. And here comes the real emphasis. With real care. Sometimes pastors lack that. Really caring for the flock. And see, a coach really cares for his players. And he has to demonstrate that he really cares. And sometimes pastors think we're the greatest thing on the platform. And we forget to show care. The other thing that is really real, that has to be demonstrated, a sense of love. That you care for me, and you really do love me. That when people serve, they have to demonstrate to other people, you really do care about me, you really do love me, you really do want to serve me from the heart, not from what you just gain in vain glory, but that you're doing it because you really do care. Boy, that makes a huge difference. Wow. And watch how the kids respond when they know they are really cared for and they're really loved. Watch how adults even respond when they know that they're really loved and really cared for. And that whole process is this: there's that love, there's that care, but this last word in ministry is something. Devotion. That you're devoted to it. You're devoted to it. See, one day we may have to license Vic, but he's devoted to music up here. And he gets excited about it. Hey. Now, he's not licensed to preach, but he'd do it anyhow. Because he's devoted to it. He loves it. It gets him excited. It, it kind of so, does something that revs him up, gets his engine started. Hey. And for many coaches... That's what it is. It is out of care for young people. It's out of a love for them. It's out of a devotion that they do what they do. And they're willing to make the sacrifice for many of our children in many different ways to make those things happen. For the kids. For the kids. With that, sometimes we don't even recognize it. We're acting like Jesus. Because in 2028, Jesus says, I have not come to be served, but to serve. I am not come to be ministered to, but to minister to others. And in that manner, we function, whether sometime we know it or not, we're functioning like Jesus. Because we're serving others. And understand this principle here now. Though Jesus served, He was crucified. Sometime when you serve, you're going to be what? Crucified. It comes with the territory. Just because you serve don't mean you'll always be appreciated. Because you serve don't mean you won't be talked about. Because you serve don't mean you'll be loved by all the people. But you just keep on what? Serving. You keep doing it. You keep doing it. Because that's your heart. That's your passion. That's your desire. That you really want to serve others. Now, when people serve, they teach. And it's amazing today that we've lost that thought. That in the simplest area of serving, I'm teaching. Um... A couple weeks ago, we had an individual who bought a message. But he used a waitress as a teaching tool. Because when a waiter or waitress come to your table, they are teaching you. And for some folks, they even put the fork in the right place for them. (laughs) Or they'll move something on the table for them in the right place. But their whole mannerism... Is a teaching process. And sometimes they even teach you how to say what? Thank you. Because they're doing so much for you. We're always teaching. Whether it be on a football team, in the community, at the grocery store, just walking, taking a nice walk. We need to understand that people are always watching, seeing, looking, and they're learning from us. For Paul says you are our written epistle. People are always watching and observing and taking their notes about you and what you do and how you do it. We teach attitude. We teach about attitude. There's an attitude for winners and there's an attitude for losers. You ever see the difference? (laughs) The winner may lose, but they know that they won, because out on that field, they know they gave their best. And they won. The winning team is not always by who has the most points on the scoreboard. See, we don't win in life because I got the biggest house. I drive the most fanciest car. We don't win in life because I got the most money in my pocket. We win in life because we stuck with one woman all of our life. We 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 win in life because we raise our children. To be productive in society. We win in life. Because we're loyal and dedicated. To each other in a marriage. In this relationship. In friends relationship. We're winners in so many different ways. But we have to be taught that. And then we have to be taught. That even when we lose. There's still a proper way to act and perform. Perform. Because you lose, you don't go over and punch somebody. You go over and shake their hand. And congratulate them for a good game. Oftentimes we forget. Other people had to practice and work just as hard as we did. They had to go through some things that they suffered through to be able. And when you go on that field, both want to win. But in reality, we all win when we come out knowing we've done our best. A community wins when all the people in the community join together and know we've done our best. We win. But it's in that attitude. For in life we win some and we what? We lose some. And when you start teaching these young boys and young girls, they have to be able to catch that. That there's going to be times in life they win, and that there will be times in life they will lose. But their attitude will define whether or not if they're winners in life or not. Just not just the game. And it has to be taught. Second thing that we wind up teaching: when you serve, you teach people to shine. What I mean? Everybody want to be in the spotlight. Everybody wants to be considered the hero. And in one sense, when you play as a team, either we all win or we all what? Yeah. Not about how many points you scored. You could score a hundred points, but if the other team beat you by 101, you lost. It's not about how much you've done individually. It's about what we've done Collectively. That is important. And you and I have to deal with that. When we make people shine, we cause people to do their best. And that's all that we're doing. Give me your best. That's all I ask. Give me your best. Put your best out there. Lay it down. Your very best. Hey. Even when you're preaching, give it your best. Everybody may not enjoy it. Everybody may. Some of them will go out and say, what did he say today? He didn't say nothing. He wasn't even preaching one. I remember when I was a young preacher down south, Ms. Fuller came up to me after service. She said, one day you going to make a fine preacher. <laughs> and the whole process is, you cause our young people to learn how to put their best effort forth. Because in life and on the workplace, when they have a job, they got to show that employer they're putting their very best where if they're going to stay on that job. They got to be willing to show other people their best, not their worst, their best. So the second thing we really teach, not just attitude, but teaching them how to shine by putting their best forward. Thirdly, when you serve, you teach others about failure. We are not going to win all the time. We live in our failures. And sometimes failure is good because we learn by failures. How many of you learned how to walk without falling down? How many of you grew up never having any skin torn off the knee? You didn't raise your hand, girl. You're going to have bumps in what? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with bumps in the road. And you're going to have bumps in the road. The problem is this here. Chinese proverb puts it this way. Failure is good because it helps you to learn. But you have to be willing to rise above your failure and move on. Because I lose a game, the world don't come to an end. I prepare, and I start getting ready for what? The next game! (laughs) Now, I have to live through maybe my little sorrow, my little pain of losing this one, but... I know that I lost this one, and even on Monday and Tuesday when I'm practicing, yeah, I'm reminded I just lost that game, but we're in preparation for what? A whole new game, and I want to put more focus on the new game rather than what happened back here, and sometimes we get stuck in our failure rather than looking to our future, and one thing good coaches do is that they allow their kids, they allow their team to understand you're not going to win all the time, there's going to be failures in life, but you you don't live there you don't live in a state of failure there's another game to play and you get up and you get ready and prepare yourself for that next game and that's something that has to be taught and the fourth why are we serving others you give them purpose and meaning in life you give value to people when you pay special attention to them. And our children today need attention. They need attention. They need the care. They need the love. They need the nurturing. And I hate I to say this Elaine gives me a lot of love, a lot of nurturing, a lot of building up, a lot of care. I'm a needy person. <laughs> You know, see, just because we grow up and grow older, that child on the inside still needs what it was needed when it was young. On the inside, we're all little girls, little boys. And we still need that care. We still need that love. We, we still need that purpose of life that somebody really values me. And that I have a purpose here. I may not tackle just right right now. I may not be the pulling guard you want me to be. But you just keep pulling into me. And you see what happens. And what you're showing to a child is this. You're important. You're important. You're worthy of my time. You're worthy of my efforts. You're worthy. And... Howard Hendricks put it this way in closing. People are watching us to see if our words are real. Because kids hear a lot of words. And sometimes adults hear a lot of words. But they're not meaningful words. They're not words that take action. They're just words. And Howard Hendricks, again, he says... People are watching us to see if our words are real. Our words and life are inseparable. Related so the closeness of our walk with Jesus determines how effective we communicate our message of life to others. Your words are important. What you say is important. And when you when you're dealing with children and with people, understand—you'll never know their hurt. You'll never know what all they're struggling with. You'll never know, but yet you have the power through words to encourage. You have power in words that will allow people to have some hope. You, through your words, are able to say to a person, "Be determined and be able to understand that." That. They will be willing to take that next step out of determination. I'm going to reach my goal. i got somebody who believes in me. i got somebody who trusts in me. i got somebody who's willing to help me along the way. Because see, when we speak, especially to young people, they're watching to see if you'll really do it. Does your words really match your life? A little different this morning. But I hope somehow it causes us to refocus, re-examine, and look at some of the good things that are taking place in West Akron. And to appreciate the people who cause those things to happen. Because they are the ones who are making the sacrifice. And guess what? A lot of coaches that are out there don't get paid a dime. Volunteer. Community volunteer. Sacrificing for the good of a community and for the life of young people. And I hope we learn to be able to say to them, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen? Amen.